This is Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, the executive producer and co-host of the show. Joining me in the virtual studio is co-founder and principal co-host Fred Goldstein, president of Accountable Health, LLC. Pop Health Week engages industry leadership and stakeholder voices spanning payer, provider, patient, vendor, and regulatory communities in population health best practices and strategies. Connect with us via www.popupstudio.productions or follow and direct message me on Twitter via at GregMastersMPH, and that's Greg with two Gs. On today's special Health 2022 edition, Fred convened several colleagues for a roundtable discussion, including Douglas Goldstein, Managing Director, Salt Flats Capital, Neil Safian, CEO at Tuzag, and Dr. Nick Vanderhayden, Principal ECG Management Consultants, a.k.a. Dr. Nick, for their key takeaways and reflections from Health's first in-person conference since 2019. Hosted in Las Vegas, Nevada, the roundtable convenes in the busy press room at Health. So with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Thanks so much, Greg. And Nick, Doug, and Neil, welcome to Pop Health Week. Oh, thanks for having us. Uh, I'm uh, excited to be talking about Health 2022. Fantastic. Health 2022, it's great to be here and glad it's back to almost normal. That's what I was going to say. It's nice to be normal again. <laughs> it really is. This is a conference where we're all getting together. It looks like uh, masks maybe have sort of disappeared a bit. Maybe we should have them on more, but it's really been a nice event from that perspective. I, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I don't know what your normal is. This is not my normal. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It, it, really, it really is. And, and I think that's the point. That's one of the, the points I made in, in one of the posts that I put out is we're human beings. We strive on human connections. And, you know, Fred, you're right that the whole masking thing, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. In fact, I've worn masks occasionally through the sessions, whatever, certainly coming here on planes. And I, I'm, I'm torn because I feel there's some need to do that still. But I love being able to see people's faces because I could read nothing on your eyes. I was just poor at that. No, I, I think that it's not just about COVID. I think there's a Look, we don't let people walk into restaurants without shoes and shirts. So I, I think whether it's a flu, COVID, uh, colds, you know, masking in certain situations, crowded situations, probably just makes sense if you don't want to be sick. And, you know, what's your thought of coming back to a conference like this? Well, I think that in our industry, Zoom is swell, technology is swell, people are better. Uh, that there's something fundamentally different about being able to have serendipitous conversations the, 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 you, you find something you had no plan on learning at all, and it happened to come from the meeting you ended up going to that was not the one you planned to go right. to, and you end up standing next to someone you had no idea who they were, and then you end up spending the next two hours talking to them. That does not happen in Zoom world. Yeah, there's no, no place in Zoom where you get random interactions. Plus, right. there's no context, yep. and it's two-dimensional, and the sidebars don't happen. Yeah, I found that the nicest thing about this one was actually seeing some people I hadn't seen in a long time, and it was just really great to interact. And uh, also, did you think about this conference from a you know a larger perspective? I mean, there were a lot of companies here, a lot of neat stuff to kind of look at. Any highlights that you can think of, Nick, well, that you came I, across? Yeah, so I will. But just before we do that, I want to, you know, from a physics perspective, Doug, it's actually three dimensions because there's time involved in Zoom, <laughs> and we're now in fourth dimension. Sorry to be 
funny about this. But, but you know. live compresses the relationship building. Does, you don't have the same kind of it's a time dimension. It is. Right. And the thing one of the things I love is people that I've worked with effectively for the last eighteen months, right. I now get to meet for the first time yeah. in person. And That's it's right. almost like I know them, but I haven't known them. Yeah. That different humor, different all kinds of things come out. And and different height. That's the other thing you don't get on Zoom. <laughs> oh, thank you very much there, Nick. Really appreciate that. But it really has been great. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed actually the opportunity to sit in front of some of these booths and talk through what it is do they have, how do they think that fits with the market, and what do they think it's going to do over time. So that's been a really cool thing to finally see and not get the Zoom presentation where they may go through a PowerPoint yep. or two. Anything that surprised you, Nick, or excited you that you saw? Yeah, so what have I seen, aside from the human interactions, I mean, I think we've seen some stage activity from a corporate standpoint. You know, there's the presence of some organizations that I feel, um, you know, are breaking, are attempting to break through. Let's be clear, technology is not the be-all and end-all, but I've had some opportunity to see what I see as incremental companies. Here we go. Subtext, uh, the Incrementalist uh, podcast, you can subscribe here. <laughs> also on Healthcare Now Radio. So with that lovely introduction, Nick, what about you, Neil? What did you see at the conference, and what's excited you? Well, maybe it's because of the time lag, but you know, health equity has become an issue. Aging populations, looking at the fact that I see I'm sitting next to these gray and balding men, um, as as we're, and, and I am one of them. I didn't say gray and or balding, just gray and balding. You know, come on, I'm, I'm the baldest and. Not the greatest, uh, but uh, I'm not. I'm not either of those. I'm just gonna say. Oh yeah, that's blonde. That is. <laughs> so I will say this, guys. I did not see any place that had a hair program or something for your head of hair to grow it back. Did you see a booth with that? No, I think most not. of the technology had to do with some other neat things. And I'll tell you, I was, I was kind of going around looking at the behavioral health stuff. Hmm. I mean, we know mental health is a huge issue now, particularly amongst the young kids and things. And I can't tell you how many companies I saw out here that claim to have a mental health approach using apps or some sort of telehealth or technology. Here's one good news is a lot of food is medicine. But yep. what was missing is fitness. And frankly, from every disease management solution I've seen over the years, people forget to look at how much fitness or physical activity somebody has. And we're looking at people still as diseases and all these point solutions. We're not looking at the whole person in context of family and neighborhood. Yeah, and, and let me go back. You're <clears throat> right about equity and, and the mental health. And one of the companies, I'm going to call them out, and you know, I don't want to do too much but this was kind of compelling to me it's called sesh so you can tell it's from the west coast but this was about group therapy that was available that is not the primary sort of driver or um, use case for treating people you tend to get group therapy when you're an inpatient it's something that you access and in fact has had a really extraordinary rise because it actually proves to be very effective for all sorts, not just Alcoholics Anonymous. I think that's the one that most people know it for. And this is across the board. Behavioral health disorders like eating disorders, mental health issues. And this is on demand through your app. And this is where that you know, interface video technology works. That was really compelling to me and it was surprising. That plays into the, what we started with. It, it's about relationships that makes a difference in people's health, whether it's the caregiver or whatever. It's not just the disease intervention. And that's the one thing I still see here is that we have atomized things into here's mental, mental, here's physical, yeah. here's behavioral, here's gut, here's yeah. this. 
there's that, and I think it's back for me to what Doug was talking about, is that fundamentally we are not diseases, we are not risks, we're not, you know, we're not ICD-10 codes. We are, you know, as I said in the movie, Soylent Green at the end, and he screams out at the end, Soylent Green is people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to start from people and their life circumstance. Now we even have a name for that, SDOA. In the old days when I went to school, it was called public health. But it's a, but you know, if you start with people, their life circumstances, and put health within the context of the meaning of their life, and we're kind of a flipped it the other way. And I think we have to get back to something very different. And that paradigm drives the kind of technology we build. Mm -hmm. But the payment system has the payment system has to change because people are slaves to how they get paid. It's interesting when you think about it. As you talk about this siloing of these various products, the one area where you sort of see here this effort to to, in, in fact, integrate it is this idea of we can pull all the data together. We can create these lakes of data. We can create oceans of data, you know, and use that to then, you, you've got some piece of information you want to feed in, we can use it, but then the question becomes, how do you take that and deliver it out through a system that is fundamentally siloed? Well, right. worse, worse, I think the way healthcare has treated data is they think this is, uh, is Indiana Jones and the Covenant of the Lost Ark. <laughs> And we're going to get this data and make it incredibly secure, and then we're going to stick it in this cavern that no one will ever be able to find again. But it will be very secure. Instead of thinking of it as the exact opposite, which is that we need to build dynamic ways of accessing data in real time to use it. <laughs> Do you see that? I'm sorry, on what planet is the healthcare system securing data? <laughs> Given the breach of the... I, no, I'm saying that's the paradigm everyone leads towards. Oh, I see. Assuming the day, people are assuming they can make it safe. Right? Just saying, having been simjacked just recently. <laughs> well, most people don't know what simjacked is. I didn't until it happened to you. Oh my God! Let's not talk about that. We, we don't have enough time in this show <laughs> for that. <laughs> this is not an see, show. See the incremental. Oh no, it's not on there. It's on my blog. <laughs> so the the other thing that was fascinating to me is there really is a huge vibe at this thing about. It's a marketing vibe. It really is. Hey, we're here with these products, and and it's it's much more of a sale. I see less of sort of this clinical approach, this outcome-based approach that you see in other places. You mean less content, less facts, less science, less data? Oh no, we call those alternative facts. Oh, okay. No, I I, I mean I actually heard some pushback from uh, you know even one of the booth folks who you know here clearly busy whatever, and they've heard it from some of the customers. There's a little bit of resistance and you know push back against the glitz and you know we have a healthcare system that is not servicing people effectively and here we are spending it's a fair amount of money and you know whilst i recognize that the one thing i would say is the amount of money and effort spent here is a drop in the bucket relative to the waste and the stuff that's going on that we need to fix. Absolutely. But I will say, to that point, when I that first day, I, I noticed a tweet come out across my uh, feed that specifically pointed out... Is Twitter still the, up? The, the, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know what I'm boycotting it, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what Elon's done today, but it specifically pointed out the laser show and all this stuff and said, is this a healthcare event yeah. or is it a concert or yeah. something like that? Yeah. And I think... That's an interesting way to look at it. Obviously, a little different vibe. I will say this. I went to one booth, and I just thought it was fascinating. They had a new, newer technology. I won't get into who it is or whatever. And I specifically asked them. I said, hey, do you have any outcomes associated with your product? And the person honestly said, no, we don't yet. We're trying to. But that was probably the most 
unbelievably 100% honest statement I heard of the day, which was great. I mean, obviously, there are other services out there that work. There were some really cool products. I saw a couple things I really liked, um, but I think this is kind of that whole idea of technology can solve everything. We just need to throw some more tech at it and we'll be in great shape. Well, you know, you, yeah, go ahead. What I, what, one of the points outside of the glitz, one of the things I like is the diversity of this. It's not just hospital IT people. It's not just private equity people. They're, you've got equity, you've got health plans, you've got life sciences, you've got, you've got a mix of people. And I think one of the strengths of this is that it draws um, that kind of mix, which provides some hope around whole, more holistic approaches to life and health. I, and, you know, what I would say relative to the tech-heavy piece of this and the desire is, you know, you're bringing a lot of geeks and technologists together. So inevitably, I mean, it, it, that's what you get. You get people thinking that way. Here's my, you know, I'm a, I'm, I think Proton, always positive. And I, I couch this with the majority of the people that are here and who work in the system come in each and every day trying to deliver the best possible service. Right. And when they don't, then it's not because they don't want to, it's because they're struggling with the system. And that's what we need to fix. Because ultimately, I think everybody is well-intentioned, and I think that's true in the show as well. We're held back by the infrastructure and the payment system, I think, in, in yeah. approaching whole health and context of people and family. I, I think the payment systems are a part of it, but I would say there is a certain degree of the payment systems encourage things, and people also enjoy the encouragement they get. So the fact is everybody's ox is being, they, don't want, they want somebody else's ox to be gored, so they are very big on wanting change to occur, just not to their part of it. And as long as that's the case, it does fundamentally change that. And I think on top of that with payment system, the other thing is a fundamental understanding. It's not a harp on the, always. It's start with people, not diseases. And that means you have to have a very different approach to how we address care. If you're starting with, how do I help a person navigate their life to the best of their ability is different than saying, I can't fix everything. I, I'm just, I got to call out Pop Health Week as, you know, what other show can you get? Your ox is being gored on, on the show. I mean, I just love your analogies, I got to say. Absolutely. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pop Health Week's Health 2022 Roundtable on Healthcare Now Radio. Roundtable guests include Douglas Goldstein, Managing Director, Salt Flats Capital, Neil Sofian, CEO at Tuzag, and Dr. Nick Vander Hayden, Principal. ECG Management Consultants. That's cool. And you, you mentioned this, this idea of these different groups coming together, which I do think is fundamentally correct. And I agree with you, Nick. Ultimately, I think everybody's trying, or the vast majority, to do the right thing. The system itself is the problem. It's within that system. And obviously, to change that's going to take some, some major moves. But what I also found fascinating about this one is the number of booths associated with other countries that are bringing unique products, you're trying to bring unique products here, whether it was Australia, Israel, Canada, and I went through a number of them, looked at what they've got, and you're thinking, hmm, why do they want to come here? Well, it's a $4 trillion industry, obviously. Yeah. You know, a great opportunity if you can make some inroads with your product that yeah. you've shown to work somewhere else. I think Willie Sutton said something, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. Well, hello. See, again, Pop Health Week, all the great phrases. <laughs> that's, that's why you let me sit down with you. Were there any tip, any areas of this that you think are going to be fundamentally changed or you're seeing some fundamental change in them or any companies that you saw that say, hey, they're really doing something that's unique? 
I, I, I'm reluctant to sort of call out because I think that's unfair to the ones that, you know, quite frankly, I didn't get to. So, you, you know, talk about the logistics. This was, you know, to the point of earlier on, we're the first time back for a while. So this was, I would say, very oversubscribed. It was very busy. And I, you know, I'm listening to, I, I gotta say, I was a little bit embarrassed. I'm listening to you going, Struth, my Australian friends were here and I didn't see them. That's a, that was a miss. I didn't even see whatever that section was. You obviously saw it. So there's things I haven't seen. General themes, I think we picked up on some of them. Mental health, um, you know, process and people. I saw a number of things that were focused on on the, the people end of it. So you get the tech, but you can use the tech to get the people together to, to fix the problem in the home or for the patient. Mm -hmm. So the one thing I wish I saw more of, and I'll give you one more pop health, you know, we're going for it. I have I, one of my one of the things I live by is it ain't dog food if the dog don't eat it, <laughs> and that um, fundamentally everyone has solutions. We aren't spending a lot of time because it's not the burning platforms. How will we get people to use all these things? Well, and that, that underlying piece is a, a, how do you build the relationships and the trust to get people to make use of that stuff. And that's a whole different problem. And most people don't want to tackle it because it seems like it's outside the area and it's everybody's want to have, but it seems to be nobody's burning platform to do it. Well, I think citizens are also getting app burnout. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, well, can you just talk to me? Why do I have to fiddle with an app and learn another interface? So I think that there is some, uh, we're going to come back to some fundamentals like, hey, voice and and you know, just talking to somebody is really effective without having to do a Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, getting back to your dog food analogy, there's also this issue of do we really need 50 companies that do essentially a similar type of service? And can we support all of these companies? Can we support all these mental health telehealth apps? Can we support? <laughs> no, my, my question, <laughs> my question regarding that is. And this goes back to what Esther Dyson said years ago at, at um, Health 2.0 when she said, I'm going to come back here in two years and 90 plus percent of you companies will be gone because right. you don't have the health expertise within it. I'm wondering if you come back two years from now and that percentage are gone because there are just too many of them. Well, that, I mean, that's for sure. I, and you only have to look at the stats from all the other conferences. It was a shock to me to discover how many companies come back for the second, you know, the year later. and exclude the pandemic because that obviously upsets right. the stats but it's a shockingly high number of companies that just disappear that you know paid all this money and showed up so that's going on not just because there's too many but there's also people that are you know to your point earlier on they're not solving the problem of the individual they hey i've got this great cool technology gadget and I think it should be a we want every we want every grandma to be wearing her you know virtual reality goggles <laughs> as she uh, you know as is on we, Twitter <laughs> as she's going down the hall with her walker towards the, you know the special toilet she's going to have right you know it's like yeah that's going to really work. that's a real health equity problem or something I, I actually did see a toilet seat it was a bit of a surprise to me <laughs> with um, the VR <laughs> I, I hope you didn't oh actually God, use it thankfully not but <laughs> I'm telling you if this was DEFCON somebody would have used it <laughs> no. so, so Doug you've been focused on the community I mean that's been really your push for the last year or so well it was six and years we've been working on empowering well, yeah, I mean who does not participate in value-based care the person 
who sometimes is a patient in context of family. So did you see anything here that you felt was community-oriented or would help to facilitate community behavior changes like that? Well, I thought the food as medicine is, uh -huh. is a positive move, but once again, it's sort of there as a point solution because it's out of context of physical activity. And frankly, the whole disease management industry, I remember sitting 10 years ago at a disease management conference and saying, hey, did you stratify your data about the amount of physical activity the person had relative to outcomes? Because frankly, when people move, uh, they're happier. If they don't move and they're sedentary, it's, it's starting a downward climb. Plus, we have a, consult a, a culture of consumption, and a lot of that consumption is built around drugs. And the gateway drug is alcohol. And, and speaking of consumption, I really thought it was actually, for, for me, very good. The, the food they had here was oh, amazing absolutely. and a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was all over oh, the place. And it was free. It was included, which right. i, I got to say, that's a, it's a real positive, and I'm sure it's factored in and all the rest of it, but it just saves that aggravation. It sure did. Yes. And it also made allowed you to be able to kind of go do what you need to get done, maybe right. spend a little extra yeah. time in a booth and still find some place to eat yeah. and, and not, not get into a hangry mood like I might do if I don't eat. So I thought that was really uh, fascinating. I, I think in that one of the things I like about the, the notion of food is health, I'm going to combine that with the incremental point of view. Yes! yes. <laughs> is what I don't see is that, that there's still, when people get in food for health, they get into a, a, almost a, a pure, here's the right way to do food. And I think if we're going to make a difference in food, let's face it, the, the food industry is not quite as big as the healthcare industry, but damn near. And um, I would be happy if I can find ways to help get somebody who's eating canned peas to eat frozen peas. I'd be interested in somebody who's eating frozen peas to maybe look for fresh peas. I'd be looking for saying, and if I move from the canned peas to the frozen peas, and oh, by the way, Bird's Eye's got them on sale and I can save you 50 cents this week. Now I'm entering it in with the context of who they are, their life circumstance, and that's, it's, it's a very incremental approach. And then they discover, hey, frozen peas, pretty good. Yeah. Then we can move on from there. And that, that brings up an interesting point that I think back to my old disease management days in Medicaid. And I didn't actually ask the food is medicine folks or those various booths that were focusing on that. Do they have culturally appropriate meals? Yeah. Right. You know, because when we were working on the Texas border, obviously, people ate very differently there. So our community health workers had, had the, you know, obviously they were from that community. So it was easy for them to say, here are some recipes that you'll like, that's, that, that you typically will want to eat that are, are healthy versus, hey, we're going to send them the uh, diet that is based on, you know, what the average American eats. or mean the sad diet? <laughs> well, the, the, that brings up on the border. So our colleague, Ren Archer, former commissioner of health at Texas, you know, he pulled data in Texas that the healthiest communities were not Dallas and Houston, the Mecca, medical meccas, but it was the border communities right. because there was relationships and there was mutual support and there was a culture, um, and, but they could have been medical deserts. So uh, we have to relook at how we think about this. And the other thing is with mental health, it's like nobody wants to be diagnosed with a mental health problem, but it doesn't mean they don't want help. Right. They just don't want a code put on it yep. so someone can like, bill it. Yep. And you know, any psychiatric services I've used, whether it was marital or whatever, I paid out of pocket because my insurance wouldn't cover it anyhow. But at the same point, I wouldn't want a code for clinical depression or whatever it is, but I would want help. Yeah. 
But I think, I think at least from my impression as I'm doing some work in the mental health area now is it's getting better. The stigma is dropping. People are seeing it much more in the communities and recognizing this is real. Let's not look at this any different than we look at any other medical condition. It's not there yet. There's still the need to say, I don't want to park my car in front of that psychiatrist's office and that kind of thing. But I think that whole stigma area needs to be hammered some more, but definitely getting better. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite as optimistic about that. I still feel that, you know, that the, just the term mental health is, is a struggle because it has very poor associations. And, you know, we, we just, we, it, it's no different. It's brain it's health. It's brain health. Aren't you the one who uses that term more often? Term. Exactly. No, I prefer that. I think I just, it's, I think it's life. I mean, we got to start talking about life and improving people's lives. And if we help people improve their lives, we're going to lower medical costs. And the reason people do things is not generally rational or tribal. So it's food, family, friends, faith, football, so and other peace. Well, there's another fornication. <laughs> yeah. Holy oh, moly. God. Now that's gotten on the Pop Health Week. Here we go. <laughs> what other it's show it's, could you get? It's in, it's in Webster's. I didn't use the Absolutely. slang. Absolutely. So you brought up a point that we really haven't touched upon. Anything you see here that's going to impact costs? Yeah, so I, I got to say I've not seen anything that's well, um, perhaps not. I think there's some potential to attack the problem before it becomes a real issue clinically. So getting ahead of the curve specifically, and you know we know this hands down. The earlier you diagnose, the cheaper it is, and actually the more success you have. And I've seen a number of folks. Really interesting from a, a diabetic foot ulcer uh, idea that says they can see the signals five weeks beforehand and prevent it from actually taking place and having an amputation. That's like a huge deal from a cost. But think about that from a patient standpoint. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, no, I think that raises a great point. There were a number of companies I did see here that have these early markers or early indicators mm -hmm. or ability to identify various conditions, et cetera, earlier, which I think ultimately will make a fantastic difference. Maybe. Um, here's the problem with all the early markers, all the monitoring that's being done. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. I don't particularly like to be monitored. My parents hated to be monitored. It has a certain kind of feeling like you're talking East Germany. Uh, in those sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. But but I think you can do that in a in a, a, a fashion because it depends on what the reaction is. Mm -hmm. And in this particular example, the technology was entirely passive; you almost didn't notice. And then the positive response was a person calling up and saying, "Hey, we're seeing something here. What happened?" And almost all the instances, it was a historical yeah. that something yeah. happened and they had to change yeah. behavior. And I so agree. with that. I'm going to have to call the show. We're up at the timeline. So thanks so much, Nick, Doug, and Neil for joining us. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And many thanks to our guests, Douglas Goldstein, Managing Director, Salt Flats Capital, Neil Sofian, CEO at Tuzag, and Dr. Nick Vanterhaden, Principal, ECG Management Consultants, for their time today. For more information, you can follow them on Twitter via at FS Goldstein, that's Fred, at eFuturist, that's Doug, and at Tuzag underscore INC, that's T-U-Z-A-G underscore INC, that's Neil, and Dr. Nick at D-R-N-I-C, the number one, respectively. 
And finally, if you're enjoying our work at Pop Health Week, please like the show on the podcast platform of your choice, share with your colleagues, and do consider subscribing to keep up with new episodes as they are posted. We stream live on Healthcare Now Radio weekdays at 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And for you left coasters, 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m. Pacific. For Pop Health Week, my co-host Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying, please stay safe, everyone. I know. <laughs>